Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Okay, before we jump in, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. His name is Sven Lawrence, and he is unbelievably smart. I got connected with him probably about a year ago, and we've started talking a lot, like on a really regular basis. I really like the way that his mind works. His investment strategy is really based on finding undervalued stocks around the world, not just domestic. Now, he's scooping up different companies across the globe at amazing prices, and his returns are phenomenal. You guys can actually follow along with a lot of his knowledge and information on his weekly dispatch. You guys can check it out at expatmoneyshow.com forward slash undervalued. We're actually going to be doing a lot more work together, and I'm really excited about this partnership here. So, guys, get to know him, get to know his work. If you guys are interested in stocks, in investing, in equities, in companies, then this is the guy that you want to follow. You can go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash undervalued to sign up for his free newsletter. He has a paid newsletter as well as a lifetime subscription. They are also worth checking out. I am actually a lifetime member myself. I love his special reports. They are fantastic. He has a little bit of humor in them. He is really intelligent, goes into a deep analysis, but doesn't make it dry or unfun to read. So, fully endorse this. I really am excited about it, and I hope you guys get a chance to take a look. Go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash undervalued, all one word, undervalued. Okay, let's jump into today's interview. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe, and this is the Expat Money Show. Today's guest is the author of Berlin's Immigration Secrets. If you dream about greener pastures overseas, but find the immigration process to be a daunting one, this book will provide you with the guidance needed to successfully achieve your goals. It is a complete guide to the immigration process in Germany based on his own experiences, including several little-known facts and insights, all in the form of a memoir. Please welcome to the show, Erez Aga. Erez, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Mikkel. Well, very happy to have you here. You know what? We've never talked about Germany on the show. We've never had someone on to explain the process and what life is like there. So I've been to Germany many times. It's one of my favorite countries in the world. So I'm really excited to learn from you kind of the other side of it. But maybe before we get going, why don't you kind of walk us through your backstory? How did you become an expat? Why Germany? I want to hear it all. Well, uh, Mikael, I thought about immigration for a very long time. In fact, when I was a kid, 
I, I thought about it a lot. I was very curious. I, I always wondered what it's like to live elsewhere, to experience new culture, uh, meet new people. And uh, it was always in the back of my mind. And as I grew up, I traveled to more and more different destinations around the world. So every time I had a chance, I used to go on, on vacation in a certain location. All of my money I've earned, I spent on, on vacations and traveling. So I, I visited lots of countries. And then I reached a certain point uh, when I decided that I wanted to immigrate myself. And uh, the question is, why did I choose Germany? Now, when, when people say immigration, you immediately think about uh, the U.S. The U.S. Uh, used to be a very well-known immigration destination, very popular uh, immigration destinations back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. But things are now uh, beginning to change. Right now, more and more people are coming to Europe, especially Germany. So uh, when I've done my research, actually, I, I was searching for a, a certain destination. And the four main reasons I've chose Germany were the following. One, uh, we're talking about the strong economy and a low crime rate. So uh, the country has the strongest economy in Europe and it provides long-term uh, benefits for its uh, citizens and residents. It's also combined a social economy with a capitalistic one. Um, and it ranks as a country with a, a low crime rate, feels very safe to work around uh, its major uh, cities. The second reason is a low cost of living and apartment rent. Uh, while other major cities in the world, such as uh, London or New York, um, have a very uh, high cost of living, Berlin's cost of living is still low, even though it's, it's, it's changing right now. Uh, it's getting more and more capitalistic. And unlike other cities, it is, it is not all industrials and, and there are a lot of green areas, lots of parks. So it's very fun, very enjoyable to, uh, to wander around the streets. Uh, the third reason is uh, my desire to study a new language. Now, uh, for many, studying a new language uh, is considered to be a burden. But uh, I, I had a, a really strong desire to, strong a new, uh, to, to study a new language. And in fact, I was intrigued by that. I studied the, the German language with, with fun. And I had a, you know, I, I had a, a great time to go to, to my German lessons. And, you know, I have I, done it with love. <laughs> I've done it with passion. The fourth reason is, is uh, my possession of uh, an Israeli passport, and, uh, and I, uh, I, I explain. After I've been doing my research, I found out that Germany is allowing Israelis to search uh, for job opportunities within, within its borders without requiring a specific visa to do so. So it means that you can go there, and then uh, once you find a job or uh, a source of income, you can stay Immediately, you don't have to leave the country for visa purposes. And in addition to that, uh, German, Germany has a list of privileged countries like uh, Israel, New Zealand, the UK, the US, Australia, Canada, Japan. So these countries, uh, the citizens of, of, of the, uh, those countries can uh, come to Germany, find a job, and then once they do, they can stay uh, immediately. And those were the, the main four reasons why I chose Germany as my destination. Okay, so that is a many things that we need to break down there. I mean, I want to talk about the language. I want to talk about the immigration side. I mean, when you looked at this process for choosing a country, it looks, it sounds to be 
very analytical, like you, you made a matrix and decided on Germany. Was that how it was or was there an emotional thing? Was there anything like, oh, I really want to go to Germany because I love the food or the language is amazing or the people are beautiful or et cetera, et cetera. What was the emotional ties there? I'll explain because this is a really, really good question you're asking. <clears throat> now, for me as an Israeli, when somebody said the word uh, Germany, uh, I immediately thought about the World War II, Holocaust, uh, maybe uh, cold people. All those memories were uh, in, in the back of my mind because there are a lot of stigmas out there. But people need to understand that the country has changed dramatically. Over the uh, over the years, and you know nowadays it's it's considered to be one of the most popular destinations out there uh, in in the terms of immigration. So I knew I heard stories about about leaving there. Uh, I've done my research, and the question uh, that you just asked is a very very important question because. I thought about immigration. That's why um, I, I, I would like to focus uh, for a second uh, on the word immigration, because this, this is a very strong word. I, I don't really like the, the, the phrase moving to Germany or, or relocating to Germany. I like the phrase immigrating to Germany, and I'll explain. Unlike relocating or, or moving, immigration is, is when you leave your native country in order to stay permanently in your new uh, destination. And this is what I wanted to do. I knew exactly that I want to stay permanently there. I knew that uh, it's not like I want to try it out. This is what I've been thinking for many, many years, and this is what I want to do. So I actually, you know, I thought about what, what it's like. I even imagined uh, before, and I actually sketched, like, I had, I didn't have, like, a, a specific plan, but I had uh, general, general goals, and I wanted to achieve those goals. Uh, and that's why it's, it's really, really important. Now, um, if you are relocating, you may, it, it may turn out to be, uh, you know, an immigration at the end uh, of the process, but not the other way around. So for me, I knew exactly uh, that I wanted to enjoy the uh, social economy model. And uh, I knew that Berlin was an international city. And I knew that uh, I had lots of opportunities there. And that's why I, I took it as a mission. I took it uh, and I took it very, very seriously. And once again, you know, I write in the book that, that in order to succeed, you need to take it very, very seriously. And you, need, and you need to work to work uh, tremendously hard and otherwise, you know, it, it, it will take uh, a longer time, obviously. But that doesn't still answer my question, though, of the emotional attachment. Like, I'm trying to figure out, to dig in, like, why Germany? Because I understand from the analytical side, but, I mean, the world is a very, very big place, and, and I'm not saying anything bad about Germany, like I said in my intro. It is absolutely one of my favorite countries, but I'm trying to understand from you, why is it the country that you would want to move to and spend your life? Or someone, put another way, is if someone is listening to this today, why would they want to put Germany on the map for a place that they should migrate to? I visited Germany in 2012 as, as a tourist, and I really liked it. And for me, I like Berlin because it's not like any other European city. And, I, and I'll explain. Berlin has a history. I, I'm, I'm a person who likes history. 
And uh, for me, it, it was very, very interesting to live in a, in a city with a lot of history. Now we're talking. We're not talking about only the World War II or or you know the the wall. We're talking way back. Uh, you know the city have changed over the years, and you know uh, even uh, when I look at Berlin nowadays, you know uh, it always has mixed of emotions. Uh, and I'll explain. It has a sad side and it has also a happy side. Sad side because you know this city was traumatized. Traumatized. Uh, during World War II, and after that, uh, the wall, people were not able to see their relatives for, from a, a very long time. So they were separated from their uh, loved ones. And a happy side, because even throughout the, the difficult times, nowadays you look at Berlin, and it has a completely different vibe. We're talking about uh, clubs, parties, uh, except the different, the others, a lot of festivals, a lot of uh, uh, markets, a lot of, you know, it's a, it's a lively city. That's why it's a very, very interesting city uh, to live in. Well, like I said, I love Germany. I mean, I've been to Germany so, so many times. I've not had a chance to go to Berlin, but I have heard that, as you mentioned, like the clubs and the restaurants and the nightlife and the cafe culture is unbelievable there, that it's really a hot spot in Europe. I actually met my wife in Germany, but we met in Frankfurt. Well, technically we met on an airplane heading to Frankfurt, but then spent time there. Usually when I go to Germany, it's always been Bavaria and I just go there and eat my face off or go to Oktoberfest or something like that. So first of all, what year did you actually get to Germany when you migrated there? And then since then, have you had a chance to travel through the rest of the country or is really Berlin like the, the focus of everything? Uh, yes, I had a, a chance to travel in, in different cities in, inside Germany as well. I was in Lubenau, which is a small uh, town. Uh, I was in Leipzig, Potsdam, uh, also Munich, uh, Cuxhaven, Dresden. And uh, I must say that, you know, if, if I look at other cities, uh, I think Berlin is the most interesting one because of uh, it's considered to be international one, more international one than, than the others. But also, uh, for example, um, you know, there are some places that are more conservative uh, than others. But I think uh, in, in general speaking, uh, when you look at the country, uh, it changed. It changed completely. Of course, you know, we're talking about more uh, tolerance. We're talking about more patient toward the uh, different people that are coming uh, from different parts of, of, of the world. And this is, I think, what, what's unique about the city. For example, I, I just recently came back from Cuxhaven. And it's like, you know, um, it, it's a small uh, city uh, located in, in, uh, in the west-north uh, part of Germany. Uh, there's a, a beautiful beach there. You, uh, you'll feel completely disconnected from, from the rest of Germany when you're traveling there. There are absolutely no foreigners, only Germans, <laughs> when I went there. And it, it's, a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful area. Uh, you feel like you're, in a way, traveling uh, into a small part in, in Scandinavia, for example. In Munich, for example, um, it's, small, uh, it's a smaller city um, than, than Berlin. But it also, it has museums, it has lots of um, nice restaurants. It, it depends on the area, of course. It depends on the area. Uh, Bavarians are more conservatives. So it really depends. It's a very diverse uh, country at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Every city or town that I've been to there feels 
I mean, almost like a new country. I mean, there's underlying themes that run through, but certainly Bavaria to Frankfurt to Dusseldorf or something like this, these are very, very dramatically different places, which is so interesting. I'm Canadian and being born and raised in Canada, you could go a thousand kilometers, you could go 5,000 kilometers. And when you meet people, they're pretty much the same. I mean, with the small difference in and around Quebec City, Montreal, in Quebec province, I mean, the majority of the Canadians are very, very similar. Calgary to Toronto, not a huge difference. If you went a thousand kilometers in Europe, I mean, it would be completely different. Even a hundred kilometers in Germany, and there's so many different things there. Yeah. I mean, I've been to Canada, I've been to uh, Toronto and Vancouver. The, I mean, obviously those, those cities are, are uh, different. And what year did you come to Germany? You said you came at first as a tourist, and then what time did you actually move there? Yeah, I, I visited the, the country as a tourist in 2012, and uh, then I immigrated in 2016. 2016. So, okay, so explain to me what it was like when you first arrived in Germany. And, you know, we can talk about the immigration process possibly next, as in the visas and the legal right to live and work there. But I'm kind of curious, like, once again, from the emotional side, you know, did you make friends easily? Did you find a network? Were you able to find work, a home? You know, all of the personal side of things. Okay, so let's go back to 2016 uh, when I came to Germany. So the thing is, I came with absolutely no connections. I just came with a suitcase. I had no working visa, no apartment, no absolutely no connections. And I needed to, to start everything from scratch. I arrived. I had a very, very tough landing. I arrived at winter time. We're talking about uh, November 2016. And as I arrived there, it was uh, snowing. Probably not a lot of snow in Israel, I'm guessing. Well, it depends. Uh, it depends on, on which part. In Jerusalem, you can find snow uh, occasionally once in a while. I, I really had a tough landing because I didn't know anyone. I mean, it was a bit depressing the whole winter season and uh, I needed to, to find my way. And of course, you know, uh, no matter how much you read about immigration, nothing can prepare for, the, for your real journey. And I just, you know, I remember myself uh, going through the Airbnb apartment, which I've already uh, booked uh, before my arrival. And then, you know, I was just researching my my way i've done everything i was multitasking basically so i needed to find an apartment and then i needed to find a job because i was able to stay up to three months and then i was not allowed to 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 uh to extend my stay after that immediately because there there is a foreigner agent agency that you need to go and and set up your status. So everything was like I I I was I needed to do everything really really fast. I didn't have time to to waste. So I need to find an apartment. But then again, you know the problem in Berlin that it's a it's really hard to find an apartment because like myself, you have new immigrants coming all the time. So you have to compete. I mean, there there are more demand uh, than you can imagine. So if you apply. You gotta, you gotta understand that that like you, there are uh, other immigrants, and all of them go to the same uh, landlord uh, or the person who rent them that the apartment, and you know they only choose one. All right, so that was uh, one struggle. 
The other struggle was, of, of course, the, the job market, because once again, uh, companies in Berlin receive every week thousands of resumes from people uh, all over the world. Another one is, of course, the, the language barrier. Uh, most of the, uh, the, the jobs are in German, not, not in English. And then again, if you apply uh, for an English position, like you, people who are also speak English needs to, uh, you, you'll have to compete with them as well. So I needed to do everything. I was very, very busy. I, I, I worked uh, like crazy. I had uh, actually uh, an advantage because I was completely focused on my goals. So I, I was living in immigration 24 hours. So I needed to, to work all the time. Then again, you know, I must say I, I had a slight advantage because I, I was a, I, I'm a bilingual. And once you're bilingual, uh, you don't have to all, 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 uh, all the time focus on the English market. You can also focus uh, on the Hebrew market as well. Uh, this is the, the advantage of bilingual uh, of people who speak more than one language uh, when they come to Berlin, because they, are, they don't have to focus only on the English job market. I always I even uh, gave an example in my book. So if, if let's say uh, an Italian immigrant who comes to Berlin uh, to find a position, to find a job, uh, and let's say uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't speak German, let's say he speaks Italian and English. All right. He will be able to focus uh, on the uh, English job market and then uh, also on the Italian job market. Okay, because there are a lot of uh, jobs because we're talking about international uh, city. So there are projects all over and an American uh, immigrant who will come to Berlin and uh, let's say he only speaks English. He will only be able to focus uh, on the English job market. Therefore, the Italian has uh, an advantage uh, over the American in that way. You know, I started to research. I ran some some websites. I applied. I applied. Uh, I kept applying. You know, I received lots of rejections uh, until you know I was going to interviews all the time, and then I was able to find a job after four months. Once I found a job, you know, I, I started to work. I gained my working visa, and from there, uh, I was able to. Uh, I, I had more time, let's say this, to focus on 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 other parts like studying the language, finding uh, a partner for for a long term. Uh, but then again, you have more struggles uh, because you always have you know you always have to find stability. Uh, you have new challenge all the all the time. And the, the most interesting part about about the book that it's it's a very it's exactly what happened. So people are able to see exactly what happened to me and, and, and the journey I've been through uh, throughout the whole process. So therefore, it, it, it provides uh, the best perspective that you can get. Yeah, absolutely. Someone who's actually been through the process opposed to just, you know, reading about it online or watching some YouTube videos and trying to recreate it. I mean, certainly, I mean, that's why when I travel and I write about these things, these are all based on first-person perspective. I mean, I actually gone through it. We just got back from six months in Brazil and our process through immigration, that did not go perfect by any means. And I work in immigration and I help people with immigration and still there was so many problems with it. So I definitely think learning from people who actually do things is definitely the way to go. So explain to me, when you got your job, did the company have to sponsor you or you get a job and then you just go and register yourself that you have a job and Germany allows you to stay? What does that piece look like? 
So, uh, yes, uh, you have to find a company that will sponsor, uh, that will provide you a sponsorship for, for the visa. The good thing is that 99% uh, of companies will sponsor you, all right? In rare cases, they will not. It really depends on the company, but most cases they do. If you are a skilled worker, you know that you can contribute to that company, you, uh, you know that you have value. I mean, wh why not? Uh, why not? That that's the thing. You know, if, if an, an employer see you as a valuable uh, worker, he will gladly uh, provide you a sponsorship. Well, I've been sponsored a couple of times in different countries. I've had very easy processes, and I've had extremely complex, large, large and arduous processes as well. I remember when I was in Singapore, it took me about 10 months to find a job and to actually find a company that would sponsor me. Actually, technically, I would have had a job the first week, but the company was never willing to sponsor me. So although they would have wanted to take me on, they didn't actually want to take on the responsibility for all the legal work and the immigration process. Because in that country, it was not a common thing to do. And, and this is going back almost 15 years probably. But it's good to hear that Germany is open to hiring foreigners and allowing them to stay, and not just people from the European Union. Because, okay, we understand how this works. If you're from Italy, going up to Germany is probably not a big deal. But for an Israeli or a Canadian or an American who's listening to this, to come over to Europe is quite a big thing. I mean, not something that is normally done or as is easy to do. So it's good to hear that Germany does open this up. And, and I want to reply also. See, the thing is, Germany right now seeks a young labor force. Uh, the population is getting older. That's why the whole procedure is easier. And therefore, let's say it's much easier to immigrate to Germany nowadays than to the U.S., for example. I also would like to say that you, you got to believe in yourself. You got to believe in your abilities. You got you to gotta know what you're getting into. You gotta uh, try. This is why I mentioned uh, the whole uh, how to get out of your comfort zone because otherwise you, you you will not succeed. And you know what I've noticed that a lot of successful immigrants come from uh, well, m many of them, let's say this, come from uh, poor countries. Have you have you ever asked yourself why? I would assume, actually, I have asked myself why, and it's because they believe that there's more opportunities in greener pastures. I mean, the grass, grass is always greener on the other side. I don't know if that is necessarily the case, as most of my people now are going to from the U.S. to developing countries because there's more freedom actually overseas. Well, I can tell you that they are not spoiled. They know that they are suffering in their native countries. They have depression, and they know that they have no choice. They, uh, they are immigrants by all means. So they know that they are going and they are going to stay no matter what. That's why they, uh, they, they, they are willing to do whatever it takes. It's got nothing to do with their, uh, whether they have the formal education or not, whether uh, they will have visas issues or not. And this is why I'm also mentioned the immigration spirit in my book. Uh, because uh, what I've noticed is like um, in order to, to, to succeed in, in an immigration process, you need to have a character, you need to have like a, an immigrant character, and you need to be very, very tough mentally. And this is why a lot of uh, uh, immigrants from poor countries, wh why they are, they are being successful at the end, because they, they are willing to, to, to pay any price 
And that's that's what happens. I mean, you you meet um, maybe people who work in, in simple jobs. Maybe they are cleaners. Maybe they are waiters. Maybe they 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 selling stuff on the streets. It doesn't matter. They are in, they 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 manage to to succeed. They 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 already live in Berlin for I don't know twenty years, and they they manage to do it. And for me, you know, I I state at the beginning of of my book, I ask a question: Is it possible to immigrate? What does it take to immigrate? And then you see that people have uh, already done it before, and then you, you see uh, actually uh, what made them succeed. I mean, we're talking about a very, very strong mentally, let's say, mentally state that you, that you must have. You know, when I came at, at, at a certain point, I couldn't find any apartment. You know, it was very, very hard. So I, you know, I found myself staying at a hostel with eight people in the same room. You know, I didn't care, you know, so, you know, I, I, I've done it with, with fun and, 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 you know, I, I've continued my journey. So for me, you know, I was very, very determined no matter what. And, and that's, that's what I also mentioned in the book. Uh, you need to know uh, exactly what you're getting into because there are a lot of people who just come to Germany. Maybe they, they do not have a lot of life experience. Maybe, maybe they are too young. And they eventually they go back to their to their uh, native countries. Well, and add to that, I think a lot of people in the U.S. and Canada really don't realize that as work has gone remote, as people are now working from home, and businesses in the world is starting to open up, I don't think a lot of these people will come back. There's so much entitlement that actually now we know now the employers know how to hire people overseas to manage a team overseas. Why are they going to continue to pay all of these absorbent expenses and social security and all of these types of things when actually you can hire someone in Mexico or India or the Philippines or any one of a thousand countries, not a thousand countries, 193 countries, but that the people are really hungry. I mean, like super hungry to work and will work their butts off and are not going to complain all day long and feel like they're entitled to everything. So we're, we used to be constrained to, okay, we had to hire in our geographical location, or maybe we could put something out to the state. Actually, this has sped it up so fast that now you can hire from anywhere in the world. People will start work at midnight and finish at 8 a.m. their local time so that they can be on Eastern Standard Time. You can hire them remote. The people have strong English abilities around the world. There's so many things. So it's almost a warning for Western cultures that you better watch out and you better start working because there's other people who will happily do the job for you. Yeah, and that, that's another thing that happens nowadays. Uh, a lot of companies uh, open branches different parts of the world uh, to save costs. Um, so you can find, let's say, a company that uh, was established in Berlin, for example. But in Berlin itself, the company hires maybe six or seven employees and other branches. Uh, the company has obviously other branches and then uh, you'll be able to find their more uh, employees, obviously. Uh, so it really depends the structure of the company. It's, it's all about, you know, if, once again, we're, we're, we're getting into uh, costs and, and entrepreneurship, but uh, uh, this is what happens today, you're right. Yeah. Well, I remember growing up and my family were worked unionized jobs 
And as the unions came in and wanted more money, demanded more money, demanded more money, some of the factories actually closed down in southwestern Ontario and they moved the, the companies to New Mexico or to Central America or something like that. And I remember my family and everyone getting so bent out of shape. How could they do this? How could they do this? Well, I mean, you have no education, your skills are not overly specialized, and you're getting $55 or $65 an hour, and they can hire someone in Mexico to do it for $5 an hour or $6 an hour. Now, you might say, oh, well, that's not fair, that's not fair, but at the same time, these are publicly traded companies, and they have a fiduciary responsibility to increase the shareholder value. So the shares are held by different types of funds around the world and pension funds and everything like that. Well, they also have the responsibility to make sure the company is as profitable as possible. So you can't just say, oh, it's not fair. I mean, there has to be some type of a give where people are really going to work for these types of things. So I think that this does come into play a lot of time with immigration and the downfall of the West is that people are becoming too comfortable. I think as this goes on, we need to realize that people need to roll up their sleeves and work again. Otherwise, immigrant families are going to come and going to do the job harder, better, faster. They're going to smile, say thank you very much, and they're going to provide for their kids. And we're going to have the next generation. So, I mean, that's just something to think about. Okay, we're just going to take a quick break. We have recently started Expat Money on YouTube. I am really excited about this. You know, I've been putting off doing video content for years and years and years, and I wish that I didn't. I don't know what it was. Something about it just made it look like too much work, or maybe no one's going to enjoy it, or I don't know what the problem was. But recently, I got involved in YouTube, and I'm actually having a lot of fun. So first of all, we're taking all of the best podcast episodes, and we're putting them in the video content on the channel. Next, we're going to be doing original content. We're going to be putting out a lot of videos, videos from our travels while I go and look at different investments, foreign real estate, foreign stock markets, private gold vaults, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's going to be a ton of new content that's coming out there. But you know what, guys? It's really up to you. Because if this platform gets traction, then I'll put more time, energy, effort, and money into it. And if it doesn't get traction, well, then I'm not going to do it because obviously you guys don't care. I only want to put out stuff that you guys are really interested in. So show your love. Go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Leave us some comments. Give us a, a good work, a, a high five, you know, a bit of encouragement. We really appreciate it. It goes a long way. We do all of this content for free for you guys. So show a bit of love. That's it. Let's jump back into the interview. But to circle back to immigration specifically from Germany, I am curious, so you found a job, you found a company that is willing to sponsor you. What did the little piece look like of actually applying for your residency to be there, to stay in the country? How does that piece look? So uh, that's the thing. Once you get a working visa, you, uh, you have a stamp in your passport. And that stamp states residency. I, now, I always thought it was uh, a working visa, but apparently once you have a job, you really receive your residency and the residency is because you have a job. That's the thing. I always thought it was called a working visa, mm -hmm. but it's a residency permit due to the fact that you have a job. Okay, so pause for a second. So let me ask you, if you quit that job, do you lose the visa? Or do you keep the visa and can go out there and get another job? Like, is it connected, those two things? I'll explain. So 
it really depends on your contract. If a company is willing to, to give you, a, let's say, one-year contract, this is, is going to be the length of your visa. Okay, so after one year, you have to uh, extend your residency, obviously. All right, so either you, you will stay in the company or you find a new job, but you need to, once again, to uh, set up your status all over again. All right, now the good thing is, in Germany, Everything is, is with contracts. So, you know, even if you uh, want to rent an apartment, they must give you a contract. If you enter a company, they must give you a contract. And uh, why do I say it's good? Because they have employees' rights in Germany. So it means that they take care of you if somebody hurts your right, for example. Furthermore, furthermore, at some point, after two years, they must decide, okay, Mikel, you can have unlimited contract with us or we are letting you go. So it's another thing that, that will eventually lead to stability, all right? And this is why one of the main reasons why a lot of immigrants are coming to Germany, because they seek for stability. Many of them, they don't care about opening up their own businesses or are being a freelancers, or they just want stability. They just want to have a stable job for a long term. And that's why it's very appealing to many, many immigrants. You, you, can, you can receive your unlimited contract before the two years period. It really depends uh, if, you're, uh, if the company feels that you're contribute, that you're a, con a contributor, of course, they will give it to you before. But either way, after two years, they must decide, okay, you will receive your unlimited contract or we are letting you go. So they can't just string you along forever and then you don't know what's going to happen in the future exactly. at this 24 months, they have to make a decision. Okay, interesting. This is why it's called uh, a social economy model, you know? <laughs> so, okay, so, so you get the job contract, you take, I assume, your passport, you go down to immigration office, you make an application by yourself, you need a lawyer, you use a service provider. How does that look? Okay, so once you have a job contract, you take that contract, you take the passport, you take two passport photos, you go there, this is another important thing, you take your Anmeldung. What is Anmeldung? Is uh, a document that states that you already have an apartment, you already have a place to stay. Ah, okay. So can you use an Airbnb to qualify or you have to have like a long-term rental? No. So this is somebody who says, okay, uh, I'm giving you an Anmeldung. So if you're staying with someone or somebody or maybe you're renting a, a room or apartment, the, the landlord or the person who rents uh, for you can say, okay, Mikhail is living with me. Therefore, uh, I will let him use my address, for example, to receive uh, post mails. Uh, and then uh, you, you need to go to the city hall. It's called the Bugamt. You need to uh, set up a state that you have a place to stay. And from there, everything starts, basically. You can open up after that a bank account and do other arrangements. So you go there uh, with all the documents. And another thing, because uh, a lot of uh, clerks there speak basic English, uh, sometimes you will uh, need to have a translator, a German speaker that, that uh, will come along with you. Of course, if you're lucky and they do understand your English, you can avoid that. But for me, because I started to study the German language, uh, as soon as I got here, I was able to speak a fluent uh, German uh, or let's say basic German really, really fast. So uh, I was able to do, the, uh, to, to do this arrangement uh, myself. And then how long does the process take 
This is a week long. This is a month long. This is a year long. What what is the time frame like? It takes approximately eight days, ten days until you get the approval. Wow, super fast. But but uh, you have to schedule an appointment prior to your arrival. So sometimes it take it can take several weeks. If you if you have an urgent situation, you you can go there immediately and say, hey, I have an urgent situation, and they may accept you. Okay. And is there ever any instances where you're like overstaying this 90-day tourist visa and you haven't yet had your immigration process completed? How do they view this if you're overstaying? A very, very interesting question. Okay. So what happened to me is uh, since I was not able, I, I, was, I wasn't able to find a job uh, after three months. I actually found it after four months. <laughs> I need to go after three months to uh, the office to the uh, immigration office. And I told them that I was searching for a job, but in order, to, and then they, they got me uh, an extension, uh, another three months extension. However, uh, you need to prove that you have a purpose, that you're searching for a job. You need to show them your uh, interviews, the, the fact that you're going to interviews, the fact that a company invited you for interviews, and then they say, uh, okay, Mikel is, is working, he's here to stay, and then they may extend your, your stay. Okay. So you go through this process, you get accepted, you get your job, you have your immigration, you book your appointment, it takes a couple of weeks, maybe eight days, you get your visa, you start working, you're working for two years, they give you a permanent, uh, an unlimited visa to work in the country, what happens next? What happens after that? You can now change jobs wherever you want, or you have to stay tied to that one. Are you on a path to citizenship at this point? What does the next piece of the puzzle look like? I'll explain, because there are two types of, of working visas in Germany. One is the closed, uh, a closed uh, working visa, and the other one is an open working visa. What's the difference? So the closed one means that you can only work in that specific company who provided you the sponsorship, all right? In case you want to change, you need to go once again to the immigration office and show them a new contract from a new company, and then you'll have a new visa, all right? Now, after two years, after, let's say, 24 salary slips, it doesn't have to be straight, you can go once again to the immigration uh, office and then uh, they will open up your visa. It means that you, you, uh, you will be able to work in any company that you want without, uh, once again, requiring a sponsorship. All right. It's an open visa. So basically, it means it's like you're going around like you have a European passport. It's the same. You have an open uh, visa. It happens only after you gain 24 salary slips. Okay. So with, within that time period you for that first 24 months you can only be in germany you can't travel across the border or anything like that but after the 24 months you can now travel freely in the european union under your residency card no 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 it's got nothing to do with traveling <laughs> you can travel all around the world i mean it's, it's got nothing to do with traveling traveling is not a no but so okay so let, let's use an example or let's uh, i don't know let's let's pick a country that doesn't have a very strong passport They've entered into Germany, they get their residency, but they don't have a visa, they don't have a Schengen visa in their original passport to go and travel to Italy, because we've used Italy before as an example. Now with their residency, they can travel th freely throughout Europe or not? I'll explain. See, yeah. once you're entering Germany, 
and uh, you stay there, you fix up your residency, all right? You got to understand that in the Schengen area, you have open borders. You can take a train from Berlin to Paris, for example, and that's it, all right? Or, you know, you can go from uh, Germany to, to Poland, take a train, and that's it. So, so there, are, it, 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 there are free movement within Europe, all right? That's the thing. That I understand. Don't, don't get me wrong. That I 100% understand. My question is, are you allowed to do it? Are you... Of course. So you got nothing to do. Even if you came from, uh, I don't know, a third world, world country, once you, you, you set up your, your residency in Germany, there shouldn't be any problems. Okay, because I'm, I'm thinking, for example, with my wife. My wife is from China. She Every time we go to Europe, we need to get a Schengen visa. For example, another Chinese person would not be able to travel freely in there. Like even when we get a Schengen visa, even though if we want to travel throughout Europe, she has to enter into that one country and that's where she has to leave from as well. You know, we are planning a trip to Portugal. She has to fly into Portugal, even though we also were going to go to Spain and other countries like that. That's the country that she has to go into. So I'm curious with this Germany, if you could fly domestically, if you could exit through other countries, if you could come and go. I'm wondering if it gives you special privileges or if there are no special privileges and it just works the same as it does for everyone else. No, once you have residency, you are a resident, a resident of Germany. So uh, you, you can travel around as you want. You, you just have to prove, you just have to show, uh, prove that you work in Germany and that's it. You know, a stamp on your passport and that's it, basically. Okay, brilliant. And so immigration process heading towards citizenship, what does that look like? I'm not a citizen yet. I'm, a, I'm still a resident. I'm only uh, five years. But to gain a citizenship, uh, you have to do a test in, in German. You don't have to, to be a, at a very high uh, uh, level. Uh, in the German language, um, I'm, I'm C1 level, C1 level. You can um, only finish B1 level, and then you can you can do the test. So it's very very easy. Basically, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you have to answer uh, 17 questions uh, correct out of uh, 33, uh, which is also not that hard. But you can do it after uh, seven or eight years. It depends. It, it really depends. The, the the conditions are constantly changing. And does that time clock start once you get your sponsorship or does that start once you get your unlimited residency visa so the 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 clock starts once you get your sponsorship and then you you, wow. you start to uh you know to gain more and more salary slips which lead afterward to uh afterwards to permanent residency and and afterwards to citizenship that's that's the thing okay Amazing. Because I know some countries that we work in, it doesn't really start counting until a certain thing happens. You might already have lived in the country for two years, but the process to citizenship actually doesn't start until certain milestones. But if it actually starts at the beginning of your sponsorship, which could be in the first, you know, 90 days or 120 days, like which was your case, actually, you can start the process quite early. Yes, but everything leads, every step leads to another step. So uh, you cannot, you know, you cannot gain the, the, the permanent residency unless you started to work. And then again, you cannot get the citizenship unless you have the, the permanent residence. But I must say that there are uh, many types of visas in, in, in Germany. So you don't have to work for a company. You can be a freelancer and show them the proof that, that you're earning. You can be, you can have an artist visa. 
there are lots of visas. I mean, it really depends. All right. So what I'm saying is you don't have to be a salaried employee. Okay. Mm-hmm. It really depends. You can also invest and, and start your own company, for example. Of course, you, you, you'll have to, uh, you need to have cap- capital for that. You can be a freelancer. You can, uh, you can have an, uh, an artist visa. In my book, I also uh, explain what, what kind of visas you can possess in Germany. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same here in Panama where I am. We have, I think, 22 different types of visas. We have retirement visas and investor visas, real estate visas. We even have reforestation. So if you put money into regrowing trees, you can get visas here. There's so many different types of visas. Usually we focus on what are the most popular ones. And it's interesting to hear about your experiences because this is the one that you actually went through. You went through a work permit type of residency program. You know, we've done other episodes on this show with citizenship by investment, where people came into Portugal, for example, put half a million euros down, got a golden visa, and then five years later are eligible for their passport. I mean, there's different countries that do different programs. But hearing about your experience, okay, what was it really like? What was it like when you went to the office? Okay, I had to speak basic German, which allowed me not to use this translator. I think those are cool and very interesting stories. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, you know, when I wrote the book, I, I didn't want to be only an immigration guide. I also put a lot of emotional aspects in the book. So when you read the book, you feel like you're doing the immigration process together with me. Uh, you feel exactly how I feel. If I feel anger, if I, if I feel, you know, disappointment or so that's, that's the, the thing. Uh, I show everything as, as it is. Because, you know, people think, hey, uh, it's really cool. Let's, let's move to Germany. Let's check it out. But it's not going to work this way. You know, uh, immigration process is, is, a, is an emotional process. It's a life changing process. You know, like any other field in life, you need to invest time. You need to, uh, you need to work hard. And this is a reality. You know, this is, this is, this is how it goes. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's dive into the language a little bit. You said once you arrived there, then you started practicing. What was your experience like? Did you use online programs? Did you use books? Did you just talk to people? How was your methodology for learning, well, in your case, a third language, but for all intents and purposes, just a new language? Okay, so what I do recommend, first of all, if you want to immigrate to Germany, I do suggest do not study German language before unless you have you are really passionate about it. And I'll tell you why. And this is how I did it. When I uh, arrived, I just go went to a, a school, uh, a formal institute, and I studied German there. And I met lots of people, lots of immigrants from all over the world who studied German together with me. I gained lots of friends. I also tell about it in the book. One of my best friends, uh, he actually immigrated from Tunisia. Uh, I met him when I arrived and, and we studied the German language together. Afterwards, in the book, I, I meet him again. I tell about that too. Uh, I meet him under cer- different circumstances. But uh, I've done it in a formal way. I wanted to be in a formal way. I wanted to be organized. I wanted to be, uh, you know, legit as possible. I wanted to, to meet new people. I wanted to exchange experiences. I didn't want to study it on my own. You know, uh, when you do it formally, uh, you do it uh, in a proper way. You, you can ask questions. You have books. You have everything is organized. And, and, and uh, I suggest to do it in Germany because it costs cheaper. That's the thing. Okay. When you do it outside, 
you can pay uh, five times higher than the, uh, the, the amount in Germany. That's why there is no need. You just come to Germany, study the, ger the German language inside Germany uh, in one of the institutes, you'll pay a lot less. That's why I recommend it. So how much, while we're talking about numbers, how much would it be? Were you doing monthly classes and you would go like nights a couple times a week? What, what, what were the specifics and what were the costs like, if you can remember? I'll explain. So uh, when I arrived, I studied, I, I started to study immediately. So I've done intensive courses. Instead, in, in, intensive courses means that you go every day for three and a half hours. You have intensive courses five times a week. And I've done it uh, until I found my job. Now, after four months, I find a job. Then I applied for a visa. Uh, luckily for me, you know, I I started a month and a half later only working. So I had time to, to set up my, my working visa. Uh, and then I continued to study intensively until I worked. And then I switched to semi-intensive course, which means that uh, I reduced it to two times uh, per uh, per uh, week. So after approximately one year and nine months, I, I finished all of the uh, the levels, basically. Okay, and what were they charging you for the for the intensive? So the intensive, uh, so they don't they don't charge if you do it intensively or not. They they charge per level. So you have A one A one level. Uh, if you do it intensively, A they have A one dot one A one dot two, which is A in general. If you do it intensively, it will take you four months. All right. So for each uh, uh, level, let's say A1.1, uh, no, if you do it intensively, it will take you one month. Therefore, you can you can finish A, A, uh, A1 and A2 after two months. So uh, A1.1, it's actually uh, cost me intensively 200 euros. So cheap. <laughs> For that much, uh, that's I'm like 80 about, some odd hours of class time. Yeah, I'm for, talking about 2016. I don't know how much it costs now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, so let's say uh, A1, A1, the entire A is, is 400, basically. Uh, so the entire level is 400. Multiplied, you have A, B, and C. So basically uh, 400 multiplied uh, by uh, by three, it costs uh, 1,200. 200, 200. That's a lot of studying for not so much money, for sure. Yes, but then again, I've done also, uh, they have other courses like, uh, um, you know, grammatic courses. Uh, they have like conversation courses. In those courses, they focus on, on conversations. So I've done also extra ones. So it cost me a bit more, but uh, I've managed to cover uh, everything. Now, the, the highest level is considered to be C, C.2, basically. But 90% don't do it. They do it until C1, which is uh, academic level, basically. Mm -hmm. And so with your German with your German classes, how many people on average would be in a class? These are large classes, small classes? No, uh, approximately talking about 10, 15. 10, 15. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's the range. Too bad. And then when you were starting out, did you have a lot of supplemental material? Were you watching TV? Did you have friends, German friends? Were you practicing on the street? Did you do a lot of homework? Or was it really, this was it, you went and studied, and then you went home and went on with your life? Yeah, so uh, when you do the intensive course, you don't have to do anything else, believe me. You don't need to do any course. <laughs> Take any, a nap any afterwards. Videos. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's 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 enough. Uh, I've done uh, my homework. I was very diligent, as I mentioned. I've done it with, with passion. I really like the, the German accent. I really, I think it, it's one of the most beautiful languages in the world. Uh, so I've did it. I've done it with with love and passion, and uh, I've done my homework. And um, after even after I finished uh, my study, I continued to watch YouTube videos. I read books, and you know, I maintained. The skills my german skills uh even today you know i still watch uh, you know i i i'm able to, to speak fluently but i still uh i like to explore and and develop it uh more and more well i remember 20 years ago when i started speaking spanish or learning spanish for the very first time i was living in guatemala and i was doing five hours a day five days a week and afterwards i would be completely wrecked i would like have to go and sit down my brain was so tired after so much so i can imagine after three and a half hours for months and months and months on end i mean you must just want to decompress afterwards because there's so much information going in exactly that's why a lot of people are taking it easy you know they don't necessarily do the uh, intensive course they like to to do it you know uh, twice a week it may take them more time but uh, you know they they doing it uh, in their own pace you know that's why i always say you know immigration is like a marathon run you know some people finish it uh, after uh, the, the fast runners can finish it uh, uh, below uh, three hours uh, you know, um, some finish it uh, three hours, 20 minutes, some finish it uh, four hours, some more, uh, but everybody uh, will reach the finish line at the end. So you mentioned briefly that a lot of your friends that you had made were through these language programs. Now, did you meet friends in other places? Have you played sports or joined organizations or groups? I'm kind of curious from the social side, you know, were you able to have local friends what did they what did the locals think about you how do how did you fit in as a person coming to germany another interesting question i'll, I'll answer that so uh <laughs> you gotta understand that berlin is a very international seat my goal was to to interact with the german society but then again you see a lot of foreigners all around so it's not always possible uh it's an international environment but then again, you know, in order to socialize, I found out through all of my uh, my roommates uh, when I was renting an apartment uh, that there are some uh, social gatherings all over the city. And in those uh, gatherings, you can uh, increase your circle of friends. You meet people from uh, all over the world, immigrants like, like yourself. You also meet uh, native German people. You meet people from all around the globe. And uh, this is how I gained uh, uh, friends. This is how I met people, people uh, who were uh, like myself, you know, trying to uh, build their life, wanted to succeed. And uh, it, it was a very, very good solution, you know, a solution for, for the loneliness issue. So um, I also state that uh, in, in, in my book that uh, there are a lot of social gatherings. You know, Berlin is a very lively city. You have parties, you have a social gathering. Uh, it's it's not going to be boring, let's say this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that meetup is often very popular. I think couch surfing sometimes, I mean, I've used that 
many, many years ago to meet friends. Um, I know a lot of people use internations. I've not really used that one. But there are a lot of web platforms which will actually help to gather people together. But it's good to hear that you do try to make an effort to meet a lot of the locals. But I understand being in an, in an international city that sometimes it can be challenging to kind of cross that barrier and spend times with people who are actually born and raised there. Yeah. So if someone's listening to this episode today and they're thinking about Germany to, to immigrate to, to migrate to, you know, what would you tell them? You know, what would be your advice to them? I would tell them, first of all, to read uh, information before. That's, that's, that's a must. You must read. You must know more. You, you got to know what you're getting into. Uh, you got to prepare financially speaking also. I also state that in, in the book. And um, also, you got to understand, you got to know that anything is possible. If, if this is your passion, and it was my passion, you can achieve it. Um, anything is possible. And therefore, I always say, uh, never give up your dream. Because, you know, I spoke to uh, many immigrants, and all of them, without exception, they say uh, that the, uh, the immigration dream is worth any price. Uh, you, you, you'll have to work hard. You have to dedicate your life several years, but uh, it's, it's worth any price. Uh, you'll, you'll get a high quality of life, a better life, uh, not only for yourself, but for your, uh, your future, your family. Uh, it's definitely worth the price. Brilliant. I love it. Erez, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you sharing your knowledge and your experiences going through all of this. If my listeners, they want to find out more about what you do, if they want to get a hold of you, where can we send them? Well, first of all, I would like to state that the book is available on Amazon, all of Amazon's region. Uh, you can purchase the paperback, the, uh, the Kindle version as well. For me, uh, they can find me also uh, in, in a platform called Goodreads. It's actually a platform that allows uh, authors to speak about their, uh, their work, a very well-known one. And um, of course, you know, if they are passionate about, about the immigration process, if they, they want to get a better perspective, I, I will recommend them to read the book and, and enjoy it. And give us the full title of the book again and where they can find it on Amazon. The book is called Berlin's Immigration Secrets, and uh, it's available on Amazon platform. Amazon, perfect. Okay, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Mikhail. Appreciate it. I hope you guys enjoyed today's interview. Before you guys go, what I want you to do is go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash language. Listen, if you guys are going to be an expat, a digital nomad, if you're going to travel, world school, all this fun stuff, build your business overseas, it's really important that you learn the local languages. Don't just go out there and speak only English. I promise you'll have a much richer experience. You'll get a lot more out of the relationships that you build. And you know what? It's honestly a lot of fun. So what I want you to do, if you guys are interested in learning another language, go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash language. You're going to be able to check out the really amazing language programs that my really good friend Ollie Richards does. I really like these programs. I fully endorse them. And you know what? My listeners have had great success with them over the years. So check it out. Go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash languages, and we will see you in next week's episode. Great. Have a good day. 
This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region. But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.